Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, and I could not be more excited to introduce a very special guest, Matt Kelly. Now, you may know this. This is the man of a million monikers, so you may know him by the podfather. You may know him by at Fantasy Mansion on Twitter. You may know him as the creator of the player profiler. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Heath, man, we've known each other a long time. This is really cool. I, I've, I've been looking forward to this since we talked a couple of weeks ago, and, and we're going to jump right into the three questions pretty quick because I was talking about you the other day. I said, I don't know if there's anybody in the industry better at cutting like a wrestling promo than, than this guy. Like, there's some people who try to do it, but like when you get going, it's fantastic. I'm going to give you an opportunity that, to do that in just a second. But first, I want you to tell me what's going on at Roto Underworld. Yeah, player profiler. We're, uh, we're an interesting place where we, we started by trying to put every piece of information, every data point people need, especially for Dynasty, into one place. We, when we started, we didn't know it was going to be such a, 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 a heavily trafficked site for Dynasty, but we have a lot of great college metrics, a college dominator, breakout age, and, and a lot of that information that you can use to evaluate players. And now we have a whole Dynasty Deluxe package for subscribers to do your dynasty startup planner. People are doing dynasty startups right now. It's actually an interesting time to do a dynasty startup when others are doing traditional drafts that you would draft these guys for life. It's right. kind of cool, right? It's kind of cool. So uh, anyway, ch- check out playerprofiler.com. There's a lot of, there's a lot of great information there uh, and you'll bookmark it. I'm sure because it's, it's, if, if you want just to understand what a player is all about, that's where you would go first and foremost is is my uh, suspicion and then we also have a dynasty dominator app in the app store it's five bucks and we have a trade analyzer there to help you evaluate trades for dynasty um and then of course right now we have a draft kit and a whole bunch of other resources for seasonal league drafters as well uh and we have a whole like best ball rankings so uh, you know we're sponsored by underdog as you can see my t-shirt <laughs> uh so yeah we have a lot of a lot of good stuff and uh the other thing that you could do is check out player profiler on youtube we are you know uh, creating more content and more shows we have a whole bunch of high stake shows where some of the killers in the industry come on and talk about their strategy and, and what they're doing in in drafts that are thousands of dollars and entry fees um and then we also have you know, three or four dynasty shows per week as well. 
Um, so my guess is that Heath has you have you've done a great job of of starting the to get people interested, get people dynasty curious, and um, and then there there's a you know our channel in particular uh, helps you take it to the next level. You know, I I one of the things I, I will say is I don't often. Like when I go get a guest or have a guest on, I want it to be somebody who I can say, you know, like I, I use this and I will say when it, when it comes to March and April and I'm getting ready for the draft, because honestly, during the NFL season, I don't have a whole lot of time to watch college football. I watch more college football in January and February and March than I do in September, October, November. And so what 100% the player profiler, one of the resources that I use and it, it's part, it's like, that combination everybody argues over do i want all these metrics do i want the film do i want like you want all of it you want all of the information that you can have when you're making these picks that as you said you're going to keep forever one of the things yeah we had the highlight reel right you know uh we, we, we always find the best highlight film on players uh too um so yeah and then and we also bring on analysts and then we put those clips on their player page uh analyst breakdowns of players and uh and a bunch of the analysts we have on are film guys so we have right. film guys we have metrics guys and you know we we try to make the best decision um you know we we have full-blown film guys on staff that when we go to the combine we go to the draft we had a whole draft party we had 12 guys at the draft um and then we also are interviewing these people at the super bowl at you know going to all these events um and trying to get a sense of these guys right. and um you know there there was you know like last year i for example isaiah spiller you know, uh, my film guys and my metrics guys and everybody that, you know, interviewed him, everything else, everyone came together and said, he, he, actually, Devon A. Chain's a better runner at his own school. Uh, this guy's not impressive in any way. Uh, he's actually slower than uh, than uh, than advertised and had no sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, in intensity about right. him going through the process. The Chargers have a thing for that kind of running back, don't they? Like they just stockpiled yeah, so them behind they, Austin Heckler. <laughs> the the word soft, right? So they so they were like, and then so I asked, you know, so I go, so they're like, well, you know, so you, you ask like a film guy, and then you ask a metrics guy. The metrics guy is like, well, uh, so here's the thing, and so he breaks down like, so you know, on uh, uh, when you when you look at the, the different uh, scenarios of yards created per touch. Uh, of a chain versus Spiller. Spiller was way behind, you know, e you know, cause that's a, a, a team agnostic metric where it's behind the same offensive line. You had another running back that was doing much better. That's a red flag. Then you have the, the, the film guy comes in and goes just soft. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, wait, so the metrics guy doesn't like it. And then the film guy thinks he's soft. And I'm like, but you have, I'm only mentioning this Heath because people forget Isaiah Spiller was viewed as the number one running back in the class last year. There was like a five-month period from like December through March where everyone was like, yeah, this guy, this guy's my my RB1 in this class. And then we were just we he was just sliding. We we're like, right. nah man, nah man, nah man, nah man. Next thing you know, the draft happens and the guy falls out of day two into day three. And then the Chargers gave him a lifeline and we're like, well, I don't, I don't, good luck with that. Right. So and have you, has anyone heard from him since that he, he's I still haven't battling heard for that RB3 job. Yes, I, I yes. haven't heard a, a whisper of about that this guy. Isaiah I've only Spiller. heard about Josh Kelly, some... and okay. now there's a new guy, Dotson. We've got to take some heat off Isaiah Spiller here. And so I'm going to, I've got the perfect transition to do that. We always start with three questions 
for our guests. I'm just going to give three words, and then we're not going to hear Isaiah Spiller again. Although, he is a charger. Quentin Johnston, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it's just... It, that Quinton Johnston is just another one of these guys where there, there are a lot of red flags. Right. And typically with red flag players, you're, you're looking at third rounders where you're trying to talk yourself into it. Maybe a late, late uh, second round guy. You rarely see a guy with this number of red flags get into the first round. I don't know how it happened. Well, right? he's really big. And he's really fast and he looks like a wide receiver from the, the, the past. Like those are the, and that's the guy that I've talked about. Those are the guys that the industry has missed on so much over the last five years is it's that guy that, oh yeah, he looks exactly like somebody. <laughs> he's Calvin Johnson adjacent. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember another guy that was Calvin Johnson adjacent because he actually went to Georgia tech. His name was Stephen Hill. So if you, we can go back. I have a whole data. The nice thing about having this big database is yeah. go back and look at, hey, here, show me a guy with a 50th percentile college dominator and where he dominated in the burst metric at the workouts, but then, you know, average speed, well below average agility. We can we can just go data point by data point and line this guy up with like 10, 20 comps in the database. And it just so happens that, in my history in this business, I've never, never had a situation where the top 20 comps all failed. Now, we could argue, did Martavis Bryant ever really break out? Maybe, right? There's some, you know, there's some questionable, there's some, there's some tweeners in there, right? But the vast majority of the Brashad Perrimans and the Kevin Whites and the, the Josh Doxons and just down the board... Because I remember when I first broke into this business and I thought about the wide receiver position, I was like, the wide receiver position, that's all about athleticism, man. And so I need to, I need to make sure that I'm putting a premium on the athleticism. Right. And then as we build the database, we're like, okay, well, let's, let's actually run regression models and let's actually run uh, you know, uh, simulations on what players with these particular data points do in the NFL. And as it turns out, wow. Uh, the workouts, especially something like burst score, which is Quinton Johnson's best attribute, uh, the when you take the, the broad right. jump and the vertical jump and you equally weight them, you create one metric out of it. That's burst score on player profiler. Well, that ends up being actually the least predictive of all the metrics. And you have to understand when I started, my first assumption was based on you know, watching football was that, oh, well, this is this is the one of the most important things. Right. You got to be able to jump high. You got to be able to dive for catches, right? That's what your eyes are telling you. But then when you actually dig into the data, the data says, no, 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 no. Things like, was this guy active on special teams as a freshman? That sounds like a very esoteric, crazy thing to say. But actually, was this guy active on special teams as a freshman? And you go back and you see, can see Deontay Johnson and Antonio Brown and all these guys that were day three picks that the NFL didn't appreciate. There are data points that you can go and find from their college career that actually indicate, no, this guy's actually more likely to break out than you might think, which is why we built a breakout finder app that people can pull up and see the actual percentages uh, of, of, of the percentage chance of a player breaking out with Quentin Johnson. The, the best attribute he has is the burst score. And the fact that he was drafted in the first round, these other elements comp and align to th th just the prototype receiver that gets overdrafted by NFL GMs and scouts. 
gets thrust into a position where they the, the Peter principle where they get quickly elevated to their their uh, level of incompetence. And then they're going to ask him to run basically the Jalen Guyton uh, yep. uh, route T in Tyro Williams. Yeah. And they're going to ask him to be Tyro Williams, ask him to be Jalen Guyton. And that's actually not where he won typically at TCU. If you go back and you watch the film at TCU, what was this guy doing? This guy was actually taking bubble screens, breaking tackles and, and putting up 50 yard runs essentially. Right. Right. And that when he was when he would go deep, there was something that very common that would happen. Like when we, you know, when we, we brought in people to talk about the Quentin Johnston pro day because Quentin Johnston didn't participate in, in much at the combine. And then at the pro day, a couple interesting nuggets from the pro day, three perfect passes from Max Duggan, three drops consecutively on deep balls. And this is when the pressure's on, right? This is when it matters, right? In the early days of training camp, when you're seeing all these videos on social media of the one hand catches, notice the shorts, notice the lack of shoulder pads, notice the lack of defenders in the vicinity. Notice it's just a ball kid hanging out. That's the only other uh, human in the shot. Right. And then as the pressure ratchets up on Quentin Johnston, a funny thing happens to him. The dude crumbles. The dude stops being able to squeeze the football. I don't know what it is, and but that's not my job. My job is not to understand the inner workings of why, what makes him tick. All I know is when, in real life, in real football, in, you know, in the Big 12, anyone that watched the Big 12 knows what he's all about. And then to go to the pro day and to see him do it again, and then to start seeing uh, reports from practice that he dropped four passes in practice – like that's a big number, right? And like, oh, well, didn't you say that? Didn't you, you remember Jamar Chase dropped a bunch of passes? Yeah, that was like one practice. And that was like the one report we got from Cincinnati right. camp because Cincinnati has almost no beat report coverage. And one beat reporter happened to go to one practice where he happened to drop a couple passes. Was he a pass dropper at LSU? No, but this is just more of the, he actually had, he put on, a laser light show at his pro day. Okay. There was a guy that ran all the events. He didn't have to do a thing. Remember Devonte Smith just said, I'm right. not even going to weigh. You're not even going to get me on the scale because I know that I won the, the Heisman. And that's all that really matters. I'm going to put my hardware on the scale, not my body. Right. And Jamar chase said uh, the same, same draft class said, I'm actually going to even do the three cone. I'll do everything. I've been working out with these guys, uh, my, you know, uh, these trainers uh, down in Texas throughout COVID, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shred this workout, and that's exactly what you want. The guy that was already projected to be the first overall pick at wide receiver says, "I'm gonna do all the drills, and I'm gonna show out." And then they go to the pro day for Quentin Johnston, and the scouts had to try to talk him into doing the agility drills. He knew he would fail the agility drills because he, his lateral quickness is not his thing. If he can bulldoze big 12 defensive backs, then he can succeed. If he's not doing that, he's not succeeding. Okay. So, so th that's no, what no I know. Idea spiller. John, and, and then the, the other thing is in fantasy, what we do is, Oh, well he has Herbert, right? He had Heath. He has Herbert. If Herbert's, there's going to be so many passes. He doesn't have to be efficient. No, no, no. We've seen this movie before with, 
uh, Kevin White, Brashad Perriman. If you can't run the routes, if you can't squeeze the football, they're going to find someone else, a professional wide receiver that's going to go out and do that. So projecting a player based solely on the offense they're in or the quarterback they're tethered to is bad process. I, I agree with that entirely. I do want to give you a chance because we started off on a bit of a negative note here with the Chargers. Who? I mean, we're going we're to go super positive here. Who is the guy, the one guy that is going to be just skyrocketing up dynasty ranks in September? Who's the guy to go buy right now before they actually start playing real football and scoring real fantasy football points? Well, first of all, on the Chargers, just for the Chargers fans, in standard leagues, I'm drafting Austin Eckler at the 101. I think Austin Eckler is a safer pick with a similar ceiling to Christian McCaffrey. That offense is bananas. And the best receiver in that offense arguably is Austin Eckler. I know that, you know, Keenan Allen's fantastic. Keenan Allen's well on the wrong side of the age apex. Austin Eckler is that guy. If there's a, if, if someone's going to be this year's Christian McCaffrey, that's probably actually not Christian McCaffrey. Given the offense that he's in, if you want a guy with a 27-point ceiling per game, it's actually Eckler. And in formats like standard leagues where they incentivize touchdowns, you might think, oh, well, Austin Eckler is kind of a satellite back plus type player. Maybe he's not a standard league uh, first overall pick. Nonsense. No, he's a guy that can put up 18, 20 touchdowns. And in, in, in the context of that offense, they're going to score a lot more points in, in Los Angeles than they will in San Francisco. So in terms of the... Uh, the receivers that I think have a chance to really spike the football in dynasty. There's a few receivers. I think uh, I'll start with, with, but I'll start with a running back. The, the we're, we're in a weird place with dynasty running backs. I'm sure Very. you've talked about this on shows, right? Very weird place with dynasty running backs where you have Bijan and Bijan is now being drafted in some startups ahead of chase ahead of Jefferson. It's those three at the beginning of startups. And I agree with those three. I don't think Bijan should be going, going ahead of Chase or Jefferson. And I think it's a pretty big gap between them. I know me too. I mean, yeah, I, 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 to me, it's Jefferson chase. And then actually I'm on Ross St. Brown is going to be entering that conversation. So that, but I'll talk about running back first, the, the, the rest running back two, three, four, five in dynasty is wide open. Yep. How does Brees Hall's recovery, how does how does his touch distribution vis-a-vis -vis Dalvin Cook play out? That's going to be a dif big differentiator. Where does Jonathan Taylor end up? Never have we seen such open-ended rankings where it's basically you've got two rookies, right? You've yep. got, we know Bijan Robinson. We know Jameer Gibbs is going to be on the Lions, which is a great offense to operate in, period, for the next four years. So we know Gibbs, we know Robinson, and then there's just a bunch of question marks. And a guy that could break into the top five is Rashad White. Rashad White is one of the best all-purpose backs in the league. He's got the ideal size that you're looking for. He's got the ideal skill set that you're looking for, where he's trusted inside the five. He's fantastic as a receiver out here catching 50 passes. Everyone thought it was going to take a year for him to finally, you know, seize the number one job and be the starter. He was out snapping Fournette last year. It, and then you can go back and say, well, he didn't, he didn't, uh, it took him too long. It took him too long to, to, to overtake Fournette. Sit, what? I remember last summer 
that it was an impossibility that he would overtake Fournette. And now, in hindsight, everyone's like, well, he didn't, he took him too long, right? No, what, right? The whole reason his yards per carry was so low, which is what the, the constant criticism is, he's not good enough between the tackles. Well, he was good enough between the tackles at Arizona State. Right. And last year, no one had more injuries along the offensive line. Just ask Tom Brady about the injuries on the offensive line. That's what torpedoed their whole season. So, of course, he's not going to have a lot of yards created. He doesn't have a chance to get out of the backfield. So you have a, an offensive line that's not still not great, but a lot healthier this year than they were last year. And he's going to get every high value touch. I don't just like, I don't care much about the talk of Tyler Algier getting some carries. Good. We want Tyler Algier eating up those between the twenties touches. Those can only get Bijan hurt. Let him have those touches. I don't care. Right. You can let, you know, uh, some other, I don't know who it is. Who's it going to be? Right. There's right. no one else on this depth chart. Right. Uh, it's Sean Tucker. If you can say, I think Sean Tucker, right. Sean Tucker, yeah. the best other player on this day. And he was undrafted. Right. So Sean Tucker, maybe gets some between the tackles work. Right. Keyshawn Vaughn. Eh, probably not. So now what are we talking about? It's an offense that actually has a healthy Baker Mayfield. He hasn't been healthy for years. He's looked better than he has in preseason. than I've seen him in years has Evans, has Godwin, has an ability to, to matriculate the ball up and down the field, and who is going to be getting the catches out of the backfield, especially now Russell Gage. Like, no one was drafting Russell Gage, but Russell Gage going down in Dynasty matters. It matters because who's behind him at receiver? Oh, well, there's a little guy named Trey Palmer who ran yep. a 4-3-3. If you, there's always a couple late-round guys that hit, and the easiest way to find the late round guy that's going to hit, just go with the fastest guy. Just go with the guy that runs the four, two, the four, three. And oftentimes teams will find a way to get them involved on special teams initially. And then if they have the chops to actually run the routes, they have the route inventory. They'll start to incorporate them into the offense. Next thing you know, they're usable. They can give you spike weeks. That's Trey Palmer, but also yet more targets, target consolidation is what we love. And that's right. what's going to happen with Rashad White. So the target, he's probably going to be top five in running back targets this year. He's going to be top five in sort of red zone usage among NFL running backs. And he has great the sort of explosive athleticism to give you explosive runs between the tackles. So he's my bet. He's the guy I'm putting he's my the, chips he's on. He's the big leap. All right. Yeah, to I, make the I, big I like leap it. at running back. And then, you know, at wide receiver, I think we're going to see if they're the, the big debate in Dynasty is who's going to join Chase and who's going to join um, Justin Jefferson. And the easy answer, the cop out answer is Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. So that's the cop out answer for that's the that's the clever hipster Dynasty answer. Right. Is Marvin Harrison Jr. And then the next best clever answer is Jackson Smith and Jigba because Jackson Smith and Jigba outproduced. Olave and Garrett Wilson in that one year in 2021 that they played together at Ohio state. But I would argue at this point in his career, what we've seen and the situation that he's in, given that Jamison Williams is already one of the great busts, like John Ross level bust is where he's trending. Well, I'm on Ross St. Brown is poised to lead the league in targets and then he also has the has the one thing he has, which is interesting, uh, is 
he does have some some explosiveness and he even if he is a slot receiver sort of an explosive slot receiver and those guys like and that's a traditional in the west coast offense he plays the traditional z role like the jerry rice role where he's doing a lot of these drags all these double moves where he's all he can play in, in at every level of and so i really think that we're going to be looking up in about seven, eight weeks and suddenly it's Amon Ra that's joined that conversation just based on total output, total volume. So who's the next Cooper cop? My, my, I think it's clear. Like he has the, he has the same quarterback, Jared right. Goff. Right. And it's just, it makes too much sense that Goff would be, be like, I'm just going to do with this guy, what I was doing with cop back when I was with LA, this makes too much sense. Right. So I, lo- yeah, I, I love I, that. I've got him number six all, right now already. So it's not, not much of a leap to get to number three at Cooper cup, but, but you could see it, right? You oh, can yeah, see yeah, it. You can see how it works because it actually, he, by the end of this year, it's very possible, if not probable that Amon Ross St. Brown has the record for total receptions in the first three years of a, an NFL career. Right. He has a little bit aided by the fact that he gets to play a couple more games than everybody else. Let's take a short break, and then we will get to question number three. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, so I don't know if you get asked to do this very often, but I'm going to ask you to be a little bit uh, reasonable here because I've seen kind of multiple takes on Anthony Richardson from you. I have struggled so much. I mean, the first thing I struggle with is that every time you mention him on Twitter, it's just he can't throw, and I say, why do you care? But um, I I do. I think it's a little bit far-fetched to say that he can't throw either, but I I struggle now that he's been named the starter, now that they've seen him in camp and decided, you know what, he doesn't need to sit and develop for a year. He's just going to play this year, and we know his offensive coordinator is willing to run a system where you just run the running quarterback 10 times per game and make him the best quarterback in fantasy. I struggle with where to rank that guy in dynasty reasonably. Because I could make the argument that I could rank him as high as QB6. I think there are people that don't even want to rank him as a top 12 quarterback in dynasty terms until we see it. What's a reasonable ranking for Anthony Richardson in dynasty leagues? Well, I have my problem is that I have a bunch of analysts around me that also don't like him. Okay. So I get really, uh, I I get a little bit of, um, with him, I get a little, uh, I, I almost get like a, a bad reputation because I have the wrong friends in high school type of thing. <laughs> um, but I don't hate him right. um, by any means, by any means. When you say don't like him, you mean from a playing NFL quarterback perspective or from a fantasy football perspective? Because I think those are totally like just no, 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 no. I have people that say you can't draft, you can't draft him this year. Okay. And that he's the the ultimate stay away in superflex for this year, not for not for dynasty, but for superflex. It, it's it's a. Uh, I think he is the stay away in superflex this year. I think okay. you can't you can't take that chance because in superflex, 
Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are gold. You can't do that. You can't take that kind of chance. I'm going to take swings and super flex. It's a strategy conversation more than him. He is a very interesting guy. And I think his range of outcomes is Josh Allen, right? Is, is, is a comp for him, but there's also been other quarterbacks that just haven't Trey Lance. Like there's just, it just depends. I don't know. Well, the difference uh, though, that it's like, he's already won the starting job. Like maybe he gets hurt, but besides that, I don't, I have a hard time. It's say he's terrible and he throws for 150 yards a game. If he's running 10 times a game, he's, he's still a top 12 quarterback. Yeah. We're, we're back live, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't sure. Heath, I got to tell you, I, 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 I wasn't, we, we had gone to commercial and I was like, are we, are we back or not? <laughs> I, I am sorry for the confusion, but we are. No, no, absolutely, no. I just want to make sure. Yeah, it's just yeah, a little, no, no. a little so spot th for the is, podcast. This is this is my 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 take on Anthony Richardson is he is the the second player I would draft in Dynasty Superflex. Okay, because in right. Dynasty Superflex, if you hit it out of the park with a quarterback and you have that guy for ten years. It is such a strategic advantage. Ask anyone that has Josh Allen. It's such a strategic advantage. You have to take that shot. You have to take that swing. Okay. So I'm absolutely drafting him over any other quarterbacks in this class in dynasty in all formats. That is hundred percent where I push back is people that take him over Bijan Robinson, right? That I'm not doing because we just talked about it. The the relative value of Bijan versus every other running back in this class is so wide. The gap is so huge that the relative value it, it eclipses the of Bijan eclipses the advantage you would get the long term advantage of if uh, Anthony Richardson hits because Anthony Richardson was not the prolific rusher in college that Cam Newton was. He was not a prolific passer, but you're right. He was certainly a hell of a lot more proven and has shown a lot more throughout the process and so far in training camp and preseason than Trey Lance ever did. Right. So now he's put Trey Lance in the rearview mirror. He's now got his sights on being the next Josh Allen. I hope he gets there. It's unlikely, right? It's no, what? I don't think so at all. I it, but it can be the next J Justin Fields. It, maybe, maybe I don't know. We'll, we're gonna. He did not have the prolific passing seasons or anything close to that, like Justin Fields did. Justin Fields put up like you know close to a, a 10 0 yards per attempt. Now this was right. in the context of the of the Ohio State system, and we talked about the receivers that he had at his disposal, which were epic. Understand that you know Anthony Richardson was surrounded by nothing. He had an empty cupboard in yes. Florida. So those are all things that I'm taking into consideration, and it's why. I want him, right? Especially in, right. in 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 Superflex Dynasty, I want him. Now, what the reason I like talking about him is because from a strategy standpoint, there's nuances with him that are interesting where he's a guy I love in Dynasty Superflex and he's a guy I would never touch in a seasonal league Superflex league because the challenge for a rookie is immense most rookies flame out in epic fashion it's a very rare thing it took josh allen two years of being the least efficient quarterback in the nfl before he finally was able to break through and he has an alpha receiver in michael pittman that i think is sort of a base alpha receiver like that's that's 
good, but not he'd probably be better as a 1B, right? Uh, and then he also was on a run-first offense. So they're going to protect him, but they're also going to protect him from scoring a lot of fantasy points in the process. So I don't see the upside in drafting him this year. I think it's a risk, all risk, no reward play this year as a, you know, as a, as a rookie in seasonal leagues, I would not draft him be my starter. And, and I would only draft him in seasonal leagues as my second quarterback in one quarterback leagues. And you cannot draft him. Absolutely cannot draft him in super flex because even Derek Carr, even Kirk cousins, all the way down, all these pocket passers, Jared Goff, that we know what we're getting, those guys have huge value in Superflex because you can't go to the waiver wire and just pick up a quarterback. So uh, the where he's going, the thing I object to the most, the thing I think is insane, is where he's going in seasonal. So I'm, I'm actually going to be in the deep end invitational tonight, which is a Superflex high-stakes draft. And I can guarantee you, where Anthony Richardson goes in that format, given the headwind he's facing, is going to be nuts. I would guess round three. <laughs> yes, it's, that's my that's my expectation. It's crazy. I, just, I think it just changes your build. Like in that type of thing, you're you're not playing to to sneak into the playoffs as the sixth seed. You're playing to win all the money. I don't see and the upside so, this year. Like I can take. Sam Howell and or Desmond Ritter in round 10 after everybody forgot that we're still drafting quarterbacks. And if things don't go well with Richardson, I just, but the thing I have the hardest time imagining because we've never seen it is that he is going to go into this offense that has had a quarterback run the ball 10 times a game the last season, last two seasons. And we're going to see a quarterback run the ball 10 times per game and not finish as a top 12 quarterback because it's literally never happened. Like I, it maybe he gets hurt and maybe he's so atrocious that they bench him. Yeah. But I think if he was that bad, he wouldn't have been named the starter so soon. So I don't know that he's going to be any good as a passer. I think he might be worse than Josh Allen was as a rookie as a passer. And that was awful. I also don't know with this particular coach, if he gets to run like I expect he does, that it matters. He only ran for 650 yards. I say only. Because we've seen quarterbacks, we talked with Trey right. Lance, we talked about you know running for a thousand yards. But that's a lot more than Justin Fields ran for. Well, Justin Fields is an interesting case and in, in why I don't like that comp. Because Justin Fields, uh, I actually funny story is uh I was the equipment manager under Kevin Wilson at Northwestern when I was a student there. And so I know Kevin Wilson very well, <laughs> who's the offensive coordinator at Ohio right. State. Uh, and just, there's a, I have a lot of funny stories to tell my podcast about, uh, getting yelled at, uh, in different scenarios, not my fault sometimes, uh, but it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Uh, but also coach's ability to reset, to yell at you one day and then to just pat you on the back the next day. Right. And as if it never happened, I just love that, uh, aspect of the whole thing. Uh, they actively, whether it's Stroud, whether it's fields, tell these guys do not run the ball. Yeah. It's way too risky. If you get hurt, our season's over. You cannot let this happen. When you have Marvin Harrison and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Olave and Wilson, the last thing we need you doing is running the ball. Get out of here. Stop doing that. And so they they actively preach staying behind the line of scrimmage uh, to their Ohio, to the Ohio State quarterbacks. It's a completely different system than they than they and it's it's a luxury they have with those receivers. 
So that's not a comparison I, I like to draw. Uh, what I do know is that he his his completion percentage went down, his yards per attempt went down. He only had what I think something less than twenty five total passing touchdowns in his entire career. Yeah. Um, the one thing I liked about him was that he does have good pocket awareness. He did get rid of the football when he needed to. He was under constant duress. He didn't take a lot of bad sacks. He's pretty smart. You know, when you compare him to Will Levis, I mean, Will Levis took so many more dumb sacks and, you know, running out of bounds and, and, and whatnot. And he, he definitely has a high football IQ back there. Um, and the, the numbers just don't reflect it. Uh, so there's a lot to, there's a lot to be hopeful for with him. Right. Uh, absolutely. It's just, there's not enough on the resume in college for me to say, yeah, this guy's going to come into the league and be a top 12 quarterback right? because a, a bunch of things can happen. A, he just doesn't run as much as we thought he would uh, B, He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, uh, he pass uh, to, he, they have to, what ends up happening to these rookies, which we forget is they get benched because it's in their best interest because the coaches are like, I can't let this, I can't ruin this kid. Right. So I think they're going to, they're going to, you're going to see some Minshew this year is my guess. The way well, things typically I, play I out, Minshew, you're going to so. see some Minshew because they're going to want to, they're going to see it. Like, you know what they do is there is a section of the schedule where that looks particularly daunting. They might come out of a buy Minshew eats those hardest opponents and then they will bring Richardson back for the last five games or so. Um, and then at that point, you can pick him up off the waiver wire or you can trade for him. Um, so that's another option to always keep in mind is that you'll, you're going to be able to trade for Anthony Richardson is my guess uh, at some point in both seasonal leagues and dynasty leagues. So if you don't get him, it's not the end of the world. All right, we are going to take another short break. We'll get to the news and notes as we wrap up here. We are back. Now, you mentioned Devon A-Chain a little bit earlier, and he's got an injury, shoulder injury. It's not been the, the greatest start in his battle against Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson and Miles Gaston and Savan <laughs> Ahmed. Um, wouldn't did not expect a couple of those names to be mentioned on this podcast this year. But it, my my main question is because I I think a lot of people are souring on him in the single digit rounds of redraft leagues. But for dynasty purposes, is this for you a buy opportunity? Yeah, yeah. This guy's a slasher. He has he he was a runner between the tackles in a way that most people don't realize unless you go back and and look at the reps between the tackles. Like, oh, this guy wasn't just an outside runner wasn't just a guy that tried to get to the perimeter and using the passing game. He's a slick receiver. He also is the perfect fit for this offense. So this is what the, the Shanahan clan, this is what they do. They find undersized running backs with great speed that can put their foot in the ground and get up field. This is the type of run, not the Trey sermons, but that's always, that's a bad fit for the stretch zone. Cause they can't get, they can't get to the edge and, and, and get up field fast enough, they get eaten up. The beauty of a Devon A chain, a Devon A chain, is he can get to the he can get to the boundary quickly, put his foot in the ground, and explode up field, and just trust that the hole will open up in front of him. That is going to be the long term, I think, uh, uh, sort of uh, outcome with him is he is going to be productive NFL running back. He is going to be an all purpose guy. This is the one system 
that can support a guy that's sub 200 pounds in a pseudo workhorse role, sort of a satellite back plus. We talked about that like a little bit with Austin Eckler. So I like the buying opportunity, but not for seasonal leagues for dynasty. We're talking dynasty here. Right. Um, Absolutely. He's a, uh, he's, he's a buy, but also a lot of us are in win now mode. So in dynasty, what the best thing that my, my favorite thing about dynasty is you have a lot of people that are spending money uh, to in in, a, in an active attempt to not win fantasy football. That's one right. of the that's one of the most exploitable things about dynasty is you have a bunch of your uh, league mates that are actually not here to win. They're here to build the nice nicest shiniest collection of toys, and they're not actually here to win championships. So a guy like Jeff Wilson can be very useful. Right. Jeff Wilson, unlike Mostert, is still young. He's only twenty seven years old, and they really like him there. Mostert is much more injury prone, much older, probably one or two games you're going to get from him in most seasons. This system also chews up running backs and spits him out. Wilson, on the other hand, I think is in, is is the most interesting in that he can be had for a throw-in, he can be had for a nothing, he can be had right. for a you know a third, fourth, fifth rounder in dynasty rookie drafts, depending on whether your league mate knows what they have. So this is why I like hero running back in dynasty because players like Jeff Wilson are so easy to acquire. As long as you just have that one guy, that one guy you can post up. And I think that one guy is going to be Rashad white uh, as, as we, as we mentioned earlier, then you can fill in your backfield with the Jeff Wilson's, but also the a chains that you get at a discount whenever they're injured. Right. So we've got another, uh, not a running back injury, a running back coming back from injury. Isaiah Pacheco actually shed the non-contact injury. Will I be a full participant for the first time this preseason? In it, in it's such an interesting situation. I think like we've talked about this a lot on this show. You get those day three or UDFA running backs who perform as rookies. I mean, what an amazing transition you just did. It's it's a gift. Zero RB in dynasty or, or or hero RB in dynasty. No, zero RB is too far in dynasty. You can do it in <laughs> seasonal, not in dynasty. I'm a hero RB guy in dynasty. And then you bring up Isaiah Pacheco. Perfect. It, you're you're a Pacheco guy now. Now these guys, there's no greater feeling than hitting on them as rookies, being smarter than everyone else, and, and you help people do that. But also historically speaking. If they have that success year one and their value gets inflated, it's almost always a sell. Very rarely do these yeah. guys stick around for multiple years and continue to help your team. Now, Pacheco's not been in a sell situation, but if he gets off to a good start this year, is he a sell or do you think he's a guy who could stick around in Kansas City and actually be a guy that helps you win now, win this year? That's a tough question. That's a tough question because we, we we can start with the process, which is the guy runs a 4 three, seven. Right. right. So if the guy, if a running back speed matters for more for running backs and receivers, we talked about receivers, fringy receivers, day three receivers. Yeah. The, 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 the Trey Palmer four, three threes. Those are the guy. That's a great tiebreaker for the back of your bench. Absolutely. But when you're talking about just like, what is predictive speed size and speed speed score, which is the metric right. on player profiler that best illustrates that. 99th percentile speed score by Isaiah Pacheco. And he was, and and this is a good argument for Anthony Richardson. 
he was basically the Anthony Richardson of running backs the year before because he was on an offense that was just incompetent, couldn't get anything going. He was the captain. He was, you know, decided to stick around when everyone else was transferring and, uh, you know, was there for his teammates. And I, I like that him right. at Rutgers. And then he gets drafted, you know, if you are a running back that goes in the seventh round, sixth round, and you're not a special teamer, right? Think about Dwayne McBride in Minnesota. That's a signal that the team really likes you because right. typically they need to fill out the roster and they need guys that are versatile that can play special teams. So if they just draft a McBride or a Pacheco, that's kind of like a fifth round pick if you think about it like that. So now it's like, okay, this guy is now he's on the chiefs and there's very little competition for touches because Clyde Edwards Hilaire is one of the greatest busts in the history of the first round running backs in the NFL history. So this was the perfect, I mean the perfect because in rookie drafts, almost always you need to get your running backs when they're young, when they have the juice because the leagues choose them up and spits them out right. and they're so disposable. So the, you know, in terms of strategy, almost every rookie draft I do, it's going to be tilted toward running back and it's going to be tilted exactly toward the guys with a, the Pacheco profile, Khalil Herbert profile, you know, in round three, four, five of a dynasty rookie draft. And then the question is, when do you monetize that? At right. what point the, the question is, it's, it's actually an interesting debate because in a rebuild, typically you look at a 23 year old player and that's a guy you would want to rebuild around, but right. actually, no, not, no, I not think that Pacheco is, it is a fun case. And it's a great question by you because though he's 23, he's a win now guy. Yeah. He's not a rebuild guy. If you have him and you're not going to win, you got to deal him. You got to, you got to get rid That's of just the case for running never, backs. Yeah. You, you got to protect yourself. You never know what's going to happen in the draft. There was a guy named Trey Mason for the Rams. Everyone was sure this guy was the next starter for the Rams at McVay. And they shocked it. Or no, it wasn't even McVay. Before that, it was actually uh, Jeff Fisher. It was Fisher. Yeah. And Jeff Fisher, because he's a running back guy, he, you know, he he went all in for, for Todd Gurley. And the next thing you know, th this hit you had in Trey Mason was vaporized. Right. And he was like a third round pick in startups. It was wild. So you can't let that happen to you. So you got to protect yourself in a rebuild. And then knowing that if he hits, you could absolutely get a first rounder for him. You flip him for a first rounder instantly. And then you use that first rounder on a wide receiver. That's the move or even better, a quarterback in super flex. So, and the best thing to do is do it when the hype is the high, when, when you can't believe your luck, your fortune, you, and 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 all the announcers on in the broadcast are talking about how he's the guy and he's there to stay at that moment sell right so you you mentioned size speed score you mentioned spitting running backs out and so we've we've got one that we have to talk about that is a news item and i don't really know how to react to it jonathan taylor has been given permission to seek a trade the Colts allegedly want a first-round pick. Taylor allegedly wants all of the money. Nobody's giving both of those things for Jonathan Taylor. But but the the bigger issue here is that it seems that it's so bad. Like they keep trying to bring him back to the team, and every time he shows up, it's either okay, you can go away, or okay, we'll now honor your trade request. Like he's not 
being you said Isaiah Pacheco at Rutgers just all right I'm, I'm here it's okay he's he's and I and I understand why not like he wasn't even a first round pick as a running back he didn't even get the first round contract um how are you handling him like we talked about these top five running backs that have kind of disappeared how are you handling Taylor in dynasty right now with this recent news or just with this recent month well there's two points here number one this is part of a larger disease that is afflicting the running back position. There's nothing we can do about it. Right. Right. There's nothing we can do about it. The collective bargaining agreement really treats them poorly. Right. Right. I can guarantee that, you know, if all the running backs got together and they had the cliff notes, they would have voted it down. Right. It, it really is unfair to them because their careers are so short. Um, the way it's structured it, it it punishes them in the this it, the franchise tag in particular. It's not even this. It, there's a couple things. This new collective bargaining agreement essentially erases their ability to hold out because the fines are so high, right. and they the agent will a wink and a nod with the front office, and they won't fine him. He'll have a personal uh, time off. He'll have an injury. He'll be extended time on the pop. There's things they can do with J.K. Dobbins to say, hey, in good faith for negotiations, you know, we won't find him and we can find workarounds that are just make the whole thing a farce. Right. It just becomes embarrassing. The farce of J.K. Dobbins. He was not hurt. It was just it was just a, a way to work around an unfair agreement uh, that was that was worked out between the two parties. So now you have a Jonathan Taylor where it's that it's ratcheted up and the 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 good faith is lost where Dobbins was able to maintain good faith with the front office. I think the front office and Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis, the faith is gone. And at that point, they're going to have to start finding him and he's going to have to play. And it's that's just what's going to happen. And even though it's a toxic situation in the locker room, eventually we've had guys. I mean, there are bandmates that don't talk. Right. right. How are you have two guys singing in harmony on a stage and they don't talk to each other? I think the two guys that are left for in journey, they don't talk. And actually, they they send people to spy on each other's uh, dressing room. They've accused each other of having sending spies to break into each other's dressing room and spy on, on their what, what how, how they're spending their money. I think it's, it gets that crazy. Right. So in these environments, especially when you have a bigger team, like it's not basketball, it's a big team. You can be uh, uh, sort of uh, unhappy, and, and you can even you can you can be a, have a sour attitude, and things move forward. You right. have to show up. You do the drills. You have to sit in the meetings. You process things. You get handed the ball on Sundays. You do your thing. It's what happens. Does that so, mean you're buying him? Right. Yeah. So I think that so, so I think the probability that he is a a cult is higher than the public believes right now. And the reason I say that also is because, yeah, sure, like I said, you know, he's unhappy. But in order to get a deal done, the Colts value him as a first round talent. And he values himself in the upper echelon of running backs. So now, the, like you said, the team that acquires him has to has to pay for the op they have to overpay for the opportunity to overpay him right that's how they're going to see it because they're all they're seeing these contracts that all these running backs are getting in the 5 million dollar zone dalvin cook 8 million dollars 
And they're like, well, why would I pay you that? I get you're valuable and we love you, but this is just what the market's charging. I go to the store and I can't believe how cheap an apple is, but an apple's still 49 cents, right? It's just what it is. There's right. nothing I can do, Jonathan. I love you and you're great, but this is this is the going rate. And I'm sorry that we can't offer this to you. And then, to, and then also for us to do this, don't forget, we have to also send a first rounder to your friends in Indianapolis. So when it's Laramie Tunsil and he wants out of Miami, you can get a deal done because it's that valuable of a player. Those guys just don't come available on, on the open market. So you're going to get a, a Bill O'Brien willing to overpay for a Laramie Tunsil. It's hard for me to wrap my head around a scenario where you have a team that agrees to pay a first round pick for the right to pay full freight on a running back, which is why I believe Jonathan Taylor will play a full season as a Colt this year. He will likely underperform because his head's not in at hundred percent. His heart's not in hundred percent. The team is going to want to start auditioning other running backs. So I think it's a mess. And it's the, the, the larger problem for dynasty is if we can't even rely, it used to be, you could rely on the guy's rookie contract that the strategy I talked about earlier of getting these guys in the rookie draft is what you got to do because then it's all it's, it's up in the air. We have no idea. Maybe uh, Deandre Swift alienates everybody in Detroit and he's gone. And the next thing you know, he's uh, he, he's, he's behind Kenny Gainwell. What happened? I don't know. Right. But that's how quickly dynasty value can evaporate can just vanish with running backs. Well, and, and I think that the Indianapolis situation, probably the, the war, like you're hoping if you have him, that he goes somewhere else because yeah, I don't know that he tweaks yeah, an yeah. ankle. He plays for him. Doesn't play for a month. That's really the only, so it's not a seen, pro Jonathan Taylor right. position that I have in dynasty. My larger position is all these running backs, their valuations relative to receivers and other positions are coming down because the certainty now, even in the early parts of their career, is lessened. So how could you possibly put the same type of valuation on these guys you're putting on any of the receivers, like a Chris Olave, where you know what you're going to get for the next five years? You can't do it, and you got to knock it off over paying for running backs in Dynasty, because the same we're going to go through the same exercise with Brees Hall, and then the same exercise with Najee Harris. And then you're just hoping that, you know, Travis Etienne comes out and he says, hey, guys, we're running backs. It's our job to to show teams value. And especially in the passing game, there's a handful of Pacheco's and ETNs that have a good perspective on this. But it's a real roll of the dice if you have these guys in Dynasty. So you've, the devaluation is real. And it's not something that you should be exploiting. It's something you should be actively uh, processing. And you yourself probably uh, uh, divesting of the running back position. Uh, normally, I would be more of a contrarian, being like, hey, this right. is an buying opportunity. Go get Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah, you, you should. this is a great time to, to, to draft running backs. Uh, uh, no. This is yeah, a I think bad, that, this, that is a, this is a bad macro signal. Bad. That, that can work in redraft. It's it doesn't work in dynasty. As John Bosch says, maybe like the time you should start rostering running backs is after six weeks that you've proven you're a contender without them. And then go get the guys who are actually playing this year. Matt, thank you so much. You uh I, I, I told the people and you delivered. So we do appreciate you coming on today. We appreciate everybody who was a part of the show. We appreciate all you guys listening, and we will talk to you next Tuesday.